Thank you. <laughs> ah, perfectionism, of course. Or did it stunt growth? My growth was stunted. That's why I'm only five feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> Be what my focus is today, and that's media, not real estate. Because I was a real did estate agent. Did you do real estate when you got mm-hmm. out? Mm-hmm. No, no. I, I was a real estate agent. Um, that's not my my now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all about you. Go for it. Do you. <laughs> well, I'm Sister, Sister Soldier, and I am a 21-year uh, Army veteran, served in the active duty Army. And uh, my background is human resource management, and I worked at the PSC serving multiple units at the unit unit uh unit level, you know, the PSC level on post. And pretty much I was a recruiter as well. I spent three years as a recruiter and I fell in love at that point. Uh three years as a recruiter, e- equal opportunity um officer and a EEO rather, not quite an officer, but uh representative. And um I fell in love with the opportunity to work with service members and their families. I was the one that they came to for their promotions. I was the one that um, went to the commander on their behalf, referenced the uh, PT test and helping them to deploy, get prepared with their family members and so on and so forth. My transition, I don't know what you want me to say. Because I t- I tell you what, I will type it in the in the chat for you. Yeah, then um, I can know what points because I want to yeah. make sure I don't ramble. Yeah, because give you what all you're asking. all you're gonna do right now, like the questions that I sent you, I will ask you those questions. Okay. Here, but okay. before I start asking you those things, I just want you to say your name, um, H O R for home of record. Okay. See, I forgot all about that. <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. Your name, your home of record, what branch you joined, um, and job title, um, how long you were in, and that's pretty much it right there. Okay. You're okay. just. Just saying, um, I tell you what, I will add the first question in there that I had sent you. Um, And that was this. Um, The first question I sent you in that email was, how long before joining the military? I have have to talk slow, especially when I... Oh, that's okay. Okay, so how long before joining the military did you know that the... No, not the, that it would be part of your life. So that right there, that's all you need to worry about. 
Okay. And, and then and then I will start asking you the other questions. Okay, got it. About it. Got it. Now I got some. I have some direction because yeah, I, I can ramble on telling my story and all this other stuff, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah, you and me both. So this way you can look <laughs> at it, and and. I, I will I will just guide the rest of the conversation. All right, and that sounds. I will not do anything to make you look bad or feel bad. We will. Oh, don't worry. I'm... I try to make people look like a superhero. Oh. <laughs> okay. So now, yeah, what you see in front of you in that chat—that's all about you. Well, hello there. I'm Sister, better known as. Uh, formerly known as Wanda Petty, Sergeant First Class from Monrovia, California. I'm a Cali kind of girl, and I was in the Army for 21 years as a human resource manager and uh, worked as a recruiter, had all the fields that fell under the alignment of human resource management, EEO, drug and alcohol, all of that good stuff. Um, so... Before I joined the military, I really joined because of my brother. So <laughs> it was he that inspired me to join the Army. And I didn't know that I was actually going to be in as long as I, I was. And I'm really glad that I was, that I did. You know, that's something that I noticed, too. It seems like the people who say that they're going to make a career out of the military end up only doing a couple years. But people like you and me, I was only going to join and be in for four years so I could figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I ended up adding 20 years to that four-year mark because I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so your bro your brother was your uh, influenced you. What did he influence you in joining the military or specifically the army, or both? I want to say both because when he put that uniform on, <laughs> it was something about that uniform and it being my brother. And I think one of the major influences we talk about this and laugh about it today is that he would always watch army movies. And although I didn't like them at the time, it was a part of his makeup. And so when he joined, I just wanted to be like my brother. He was a major influence in me joining the military. I have Are y'all close or have you always been close? We're fairly close. We're fairly close. I'm the youngest and he's the only boy. And so I'm very proud of him and his service. So yeah, we're we're close. I've always looked up to him. So with him being the the only boy, I bet he's got that a bit of that probably protectiveness, especially for the baby of the family. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were some things that, you know, happened during our upbringing and 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 life and that I would not share with him because I knew that he was that protective. So yes, he, he, he is that brother. So while you were in, you did the human resources uh, job, you did recruiting, you did EO, um, and it was called ASAP, or no, it was called ADAPSI, then it was called ASAP for the Army Drug and Alcohol Program. Um, out of all those different roles that you fulfilled, 
what is it that you liked about it? What part of your daily job uh, kept you going to continue to do it? The ability to have influence on someone's life to help them change it for good, for the good. Um, we can't predict whether it's permanent or not. However, to watch the transformation of someone getting an understanding and, and gaining direction for their life is just so fulfilling for me. So it was the idea of having the ability to impact someone's lives in their, in their family as well. So even when they were uh, PCSing, I could assist them with their move and get their assignments because I was that person who worked in the PSC who managed the assignments, worked with PERSCOM and could call up there, get their training for them, schedule them to go on their, uh, you know, their new to their new assignment and get them the job that they wanted. So that was really exciting for me. And I think that's important. I think it's always important to be able to enjoy what it is you do. And it sounds like you did that because of the ability of being in a position to take care of other people. So with that in mind, my next question would be, how do you measure, uh, how do you measure progress? Uh, or sorry, not progress. Scratch that. How do you measure success? How do you know that you are successful in it? Because, like you mentioned, you can do your best to point people in the right direction, but you can't make anybody do anything. So how do you know at the end of the day that it was a successful day? I measure that based upon a lot of times when the individual comes back and let me know you know, thank you for the guidance, the clarity, the understanding and helping me to find direction in this this specific area because they're the only ones can really have that measurement. And when I see them being successful, so helping them to get understanding of what, what courses they need to study with, um, you know, college and laying out a career path for them so that they can actually achieve that aim that they have been envisioning and to watch them come back as a promoted individual and in charge of whatever it is or having that certification and saying, you know what, I did it. I followed the instructions that you gave me and I just stayed with it like you, you know, you guided me and what man, you know, here I am. So that to me is a measurement of success when someone comes back and they've actually achieved what they what they desired to achieve. Yeah, I think that's great because so many times it's easy to um, say, well, I was successful in the army because and then the things that we fill in the blank with was I, I achieved this rank in this amount of time, I made this much money, I served this long. But we find many times when we transition out of the military, that uniform really doesn't mean anything anymore. Because we find our identity in that uniform. And when that uniform is no longer what we wear day in and day out, 
people aren't going to see that airborne air assault deployment patch unit of assignment or what that rank is. So, you know, I'm glad you said that, that pouring into other people and then hearing, seeing them progress because of the advice and direction that you gave them. I, I think that's a great measure of success, not what rank you achieved or how much money you made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it is so fulfilling to watch uh, watch the growth of someone who really aspires to uh, make things happen in their in their life or their career or just just to be able to adapt to change and, you know, make things happen the way that they see and to know that you've had a part to maybe just plant a seed and not everything that I'm not going to say every every direction, every instruction that I've given someone, they followed it to the T. Maybe eventually they got to where they were, you know, hoping to arrive. But to know that whatever it was that I, I shared with them stuck in the back of their mind that helped them to hold on just a little longer and to hang in there until they get promoted or until they achieve that goal is is really fulfilling. Absolutely. I agree. Um, it is. And I, and I like, you know, the other side of it that I like to look at, too, because I, I like to do that, too. I like to pour into people and help people. And sometimes I find myself getting frustrated because I'm like, no, that's not what I told you. I promise you this thing will work. But then I have to step back and say, you know what? All I'm responsible for is providing you the information. What you do with it is on you. And so having, finding myself to, uh, in a place to where I can say, um, I effectively poured into somebody, but what's done with it is not my business. Yeah. Um, and that can be hard sometimes when you like to help people and pour into them. Uh, what I would like to ask you now is a very similar question, but flipping it uh, on you and in your life. And that is um, back instead of using that word success, but maybe replacing it with progress. When you have when you set goals for yourself, um, how do you measure that progress how do you know that you're on the right track uh, progressing forward with what your goals are how do you know how do you assess that for yourself when i when i uh, (laughs) i know that's a loaded question yeah that's a loaded question when i set goals for myself i'm normally writing them down i set a plan i don't just um it's easy for me to think about it. I'm a, I'm a vivid thinker, so a visionary, and I can see things like from where I want to go and where I want to be and, I, and everything in between. And then there are some gaps. There are some parts that is not so clear, but they don't become clear until I begin to walk them out. So I have to plan. I have to literally write down the, the, um, the vision that I'm seeing in my head from A to Z, and then I'll start um, implementing it. And as I go along, if I see that things are starting to happen in the direction that I had really wanted them to, then I know that I'm on the right track. If by chance, which it often happens, that 
I find that I've kind of like taken a detour, a sidestep. I have to retract and see where did I get off the path. And so that helps me to be able to stay targeted towards my vision or my goal. But it usually has a deadline. There's a plan. There's a deadline. And then I have to learn um, what what is it that I need to do to get there. Yeah, that sounds a lot like this course that I took when I got out, uh, the the project management professional course. Um, you, know, the, you have to, you have to, especially when it comes to timelines, when you can actually write it out. And part of what, what I would do is I would write different tasks. If I knew what, where I am and then I know what my goal is, I would do a, write on a, a different I'd write one step per uh, note card and on each of those steps, it would have what it's dependent upon and like, does something need to happen before this note card happens? And yeah. then I would start rearranging those note cards to kind of get a better, like you said, because I'm a visual person and it helps to be able to see it mm -hmm. and helps me lay out what order things need to happen in. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and I, uh, oh my gosh, I am such an analytical person <laughs> and I love details, but the thing that I noticed, uh, is that if, if I don't watch myself focusing on those details so much that I feel like I become a perfectionist, yeah, that, that really messes me up uh, because I think, I think it's important to enjoy the journey. And in enjoying the journey, I think I think what we can do is you know be willing to make mistakes because some of those mistakes that happen getting from point A to point B might be because I I did something wrong or I didn't fully think something through. Okay, great. I need to learn from it and then move forward because mistakes I think help set you up for another you know success in some way or another. Yes, but also with that. Um, some things happen that I couldn't, I couldn't plan for. So being prepared to kind of, you know, deal with those as they come, come about. So how do you, you know, the, you know, with you, it seems like you, you're, you are right there with me that you know what I'm talking about. I do. So how do you, how do you personally, how do you find yourself balancing, um, Paying attention to detail without, uh, you know, doing that analysis and paralysis thing. And, and how do you find a balance with that? Uh, you know? Sometimes we just have to go with it. Sometimes we have to say, this is good enough and I'm rolling with it. I do that a lot of times when I'm editing or maybe I'm filming and I'll be like, okay, cut. That's it. <laughs> After I've maybe re replayed it or reenacted it for uh, several times over and over again, I do that. And then I look at, I said, okay, I have enough footage here for me to see which one is the better out of the plethora, however that may be in there. And eventually it has to get cut off because Trying to be perfect in it is not only frustrating, but it, it's it's uh, it begins to chip away at our confidence because we feel like it's just not good enough. There's other things that are attached to that that we have to pay attention to. 
So when I find that I am trying to be so perfected, the question behind the question is, what am I afraid of? Because somewhere along the line, I'm afraid that it's not going to look right. It's not going to be this or not going to be that, that I have to get it right or else this or this or that would happen. So asking myself those type of questions helped me to like regroup and say, okay, this is good enough. The point was, is that I needed to get it done. It's perfect. And no one knows that it's not, um, it's not perfected except me because the one word is missing or the one clip is missing or whatever it is that we're doing. I'm specifically speaking on editing in this particular thing because this is what I do. So we just have to sometimes just make our mind up that enough is enough, that it, it's good enough just getting it out there. How do you find that line uh, with that? How do you find the line of putting forth your best effort and not seeking out perfection um, for the sake of, like you said, fear. I think fear, you know, fear, I think many times we can, we can be defeated because of fear quicker than we become defeated by actually just doing. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, do you, do you find for yourself that you see, you see that fear of failure or fear of judgments? Uh, and then you say, okay, I need to stop. This yes. is it because you, because you see that fear coming your way. Yes, I do. And then I, I also remind myself progress, not perfection. See, so, I like it. Yeah, it's all about the progress. So will this particular project that I'm working on, this thing that I've been working on, is it? enough progress on it or will it move me forward just the way that it is and if it will then I'm moving forward with it and I'm going to the next thing because if I've spent too much time on it day in and day out I may be falling behind schedule or um, reluctant to work on it because I think that I've made it out into a mountain and it's just a small molehill you know, I've made it bigger than what it, it's ne what's necessary for me to move forward. I've created this monstrous uh, task that all it took was just doing the one thing, the small thing. So I have to remind myself of progress and not perfection. Yeah, that is that is true. If you know, I think that ends up being our our problems with a lot of things is we look at things from uh, a jaded perspective. Instead of stepping back and looking at the whole picture. Uh, my next question for you would be, what is it that uh, you do? You said that when it comes to perfection, it has to do with editing um, and putting, what do you do uh, now nowadays? What, what's up? What are you up to nowadays? So I'm a media producer. I teach um, women and, and veterans how to work the media and help them get exposure with their business their, um, or working from home, learning in their careers, working in the media. So a lot of times, and I also produce television show, which is She Vet Inspires. She Vet Inspires. 
Um, and it's aired on Roku, Apple TV, ZTV, and um, yeah, yeah, and Amazon Fire. So it's a television show that's aimed, that's geared towards helping women vets in transition from the service. So when they're, when we're transitioning, um, that we have a, a, a good aim ahead of us on what we're doing before we exit out so that the transition is, is made smoother. Well, speaking of transitions, I think that's a good segue. So here's what I'm curious about for you. You did human resources while you were in the Army. And you did Eagle Opportunity. You did recruiting. You transitioned out the military. And you did uh, real estate at some point, And now you're doing... You're, the, you're, you're this uh, production guru. How, how did that come about? Because I know transitions for most veterans is difficult. What was that like for you? And then transitioning out of the military for one, and then into the different careers that you've had since then. Well, first of all, I realized that I've always had a creative side. And majority of my life, I've carried a camera with me everywhere that I go. So there's not a place that I have traveled or just on a daily venture that I, you would not find me with a camera in my hand. So I knew that there was something there. Because I was injured while I was serving and I was medically retired due to that injury, I had to reinvent myself. This caused me to not only consider the um, the gifts that I was born with because I physically could no longer do the job that I was trained to do while I was active duty, which is the human resource management. And I also was um, studying to be a paralegal. And that required a lot of lifting of heavy files and things like that, standing on my feet for long periods of time. Because I could no longer do those daily functions, I had to use my mind. And that led me to begin to become creative on what was what were the things that I knew that I could do that did not require me to stand on my feet for long periods of time. And I literally started working with women veterans and helping them re, re, uh, reinvent themselves and transition into the workforce. And I felt that after a while, because this was a period in uh, 2008 through 2012, that women vets were not coming out. We just we just weren't coming out. We just was trying to find ourselves and how, how can we re reintegrate back into society? So the show came about. And um, from there, I've just fallen in love with the passion of uh, media and helping women tell their stories because we, like you say, we all have a story to tell. And I believe that our stories are valuable and they are our legendary uh, responsibility to leave behind our story for our families and friends and others that we can can help get through um, life. So with that, the question that I would ask uh, is as it relates to the difficulty in transition, especially, you know, getting it, being medically retired out of service, um, that's got to be difficult because 
I think when you reach a certain part, a certain point in time in your career in the military, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the next, you know, two decades or whatever time period. And then that time is cut short because of some sort of um, medical issue um, or a health concern. And now you're, you're kind of being forced to refocus. So with that, how how would how did you handle that um, that transition? How did you handle that, especially if it was really abrupt? How did you how did you wrestle with that? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good question. I actually am writing a book about that right now called "A Spirit Warrior's Mindset." It was um, it was really difficult for me to accept the fact that I could no longer work my position. You know, um, at one point I was shunned in my unit because I couldn't do the normal duties of running PT every day. And, you know, how everyone wants to say, well, you're shamming if you're not holding your own. And it wasn't anything that I did intentionally. It was because I just, my, I, I was injured. So, um, went through that period and it had to be assigned at Walter Reed. And this is all during Afghanistan and Iraq. And so um, I wasn't alone. It was many of my peers along with me all wondering, what are we going to do next? How are we going to carry on? Because our life has been devastated by this mis you know, this mishap that has taken place. So um, I literally had to uh, anchor my faith and began to realize that nothing just happens and also realize that because of the injury, I was not at end. I was happy to be alive and I had to find gratitude in that opportunity that was before me. So you just said two key words that I'd like to kind of hone in on. One of them was faith and then the other one was gratitude. So for you, would you would you categorize yourself a person of faith, a, a religious person, or and I know when we use the word a religious person, that that even within itself can be loaded. So is is faith in God what uh, kind of kept you going? Um, how what part did faith play in that for you? Yeah, so so that is what kept me going because. As I'm, I realize as I moved along in the process. So here's, here's what's, what's so awesome about God. <laughs> and, and no, I'm not religious. Some people, I'm, I'm not a religious practice person. I'm a spiritual person who, um, believe in, uh, God being my source and an unforeseen source. So, um, what was amazing about that whole experience is that there were things that happened I was not in control of. I realized that the things that I normally would be in control of, like me helping someone else to guide them in their careers the same way I did mine, I was no longer in control of that. The doctor with the stroke of a pen wrote my orders to my command and just literally snatched me out of the unit and I had no idea that I was now transferred 
just because he wrote a piece of paper, wrote wrote an order on a piece of paper that I was no longer in my unit and now I'm assigned to Walter Reed. He just said, take this to your unit. So when I did, it was just like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, um, that was something that I wasn't in control of anymore. I had to learn to get comfortable with not being in control and to trust the unseen. And so there were days that had gone by that there were windows of uh, g- glimpse of of things being said that my ears were open to that I I happened to. It was like it's like if I had to uh, describe it, it's like someone speaking and me literally having a net that caught certain phrases or words that I would not normally pay attention to, but they stuck with me. Or someone calling me back and and sharing something with me that normally wouldn't be shared to give me some insight. So I was getting these little bits and pieces along the way that I began to acknowledge and started piecing them together. Then I could see that there was there was more that was happening than what I was physically seeing at that time. Now, the other word that you said was gratitude. Um, I I think I have a, a worksheet that I started doing um, today. Yeah, yesterday. I started doing yesterday. Um, and it's a seven-day gratitude challenge, uh, just a personal challenge. And each day I have to write three things that I'm uh, – three things of gratitude. But it's not uh, just a blanket – write the three things that I'm thankful for today. It, it, it is kind of specific, specific questions each day. What does gratitude look like for you? And how is that? How does that help you? Gratitude for me looks like trusting God when I don't understand <laughs> of what's going on, you know, but being grateful at the same time for where I am versus how things could be. Can gratitude also be um, outside of God? Meaning, uh, can I can I exercise gratitude for things and people outside of thanking God for putting those people and things in my life? Or I think that it goes hand in hand. Gratitude falls in alignment with love. And love is the basic foundation for God. God is love. So when we, you know, I'm I'm in in that aspect, you could say that that's where my spirituality come in because I use the word God a lot. However, it's the same thing as me just um as me uh, appreciating someone for something that they've done or just being in my life, it still is falls in alignment with the foundation of love. I don't need to have to, I don't have to say the word God, but I'm, I'm demonstrating it at that point. The last question that I would ask you would be this for the, for the young girl, young woman who is Thinking about joining the military, what would you tell them? 
as far as, you know, continuing to stay in or, or making those choices? Mm -hmm. So for the young woman that is, or the young woman that is entering into the military or considering joining, I would say, what's your plan? What's your ideal plan? What's your overall goal that you would like to achieve by joining? And create a plan for that. It's just, it's the same way in or out for me. So for one that is, that is entering, I would say find a role model, find someone of caliber in the, in the career field or someone who have the characteristics of, uh, what you aspire to be, what you want to, want to do or achieve while you're active duty. And don't just look at life as it's only military because there's so much more than um, being in service. The one thing that I realized while I was active is so many times we can get so narrow minded that we're focused solely on the the um, the duty that we're we're serving that we forget that there's an outside world. And then we don't know how to re-emerge back into that. So I would say get a role model, someone that is in that could um, help you to understand the process, share with you what you need to do so that you can reach your career goals. For the woman that is exiting out, I would say get a coach, Get someone, another role model, someone connect with someone on the outside who has made that transition already and can give them the heads up prior to exiting on what they need to do to prepare themselves for because ASAP doesn't always meet the, um, the requirements for that. They can only provide so much. It's the experience that we need to understand. And that comes from someone who has already walked that, walked that path. Thank you and have a nice day.